changed since Christmas Day. We got a new president. Mr. Potato Head is no longer a mister. Like, that was was a while ago. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. Before we get into the, the big stories of the day, Brewers signing a new outfielder, Jackie Bradley Jr. Uh, before we talk about today's spring training game, I want to talk about a little NBA, a couple of games from last night and the Bucks back in action tonight. Before we get to that, and we will get to that, I want to spread a little positivity because it's Thursday, and Thursday you start picking up a little bit of that weekend energy. We're getting close. But also... I experienced something today that I I don't know if I've experienced much over the last year. It actually felt kind of normal today. Just walking around the office, around the studios today, people were smiling, talking to each other. We weren't all separated in our own little spaces. Still had masks on, but what are you going to do? And when I walked outside to go to my car to get some fresh air, it's beautiful. In downtown La Crosse, it's just popping. People walking around with their dogs and with their friends, with their family members, or riding their bikes. Saw some cool kids on skateboards. I think they were like five years younger than me, but they all looked way cooler than me. People eating outside on the patio at some restaurants and bars down. Like, it looks normal. It felt normal. And I don't know if it's the sun and the warm weather or the brewers being back on, but feels like we're getting close. I swear we're getting close. This is the most normal things have felt, I think, since the pandemic started. I consider it to have begun on March 11th of last year. So we're coming up on that uh, that one-year anniversary of that wild, wild Wednesday night when everything shut down. Just wanted to spread a little positivity. Maybe you experienced that. Maybe you aren't. But either way, I wanted to share that. My name is Grant Bills, the Wisco Sports Show, hour number two. And I know a lot of you are just joining us because you've been listening to the Brewers. They lost today... Who who cares? Once once they were no longer undefeated, well, now I'm just out of it. Now I'll pull for the Cactus Cup. We're big big into the Cactus Cup on this show. Brewers were 3-0. Now they're 3-2, and and, and they're just reeling. They're reeling, so hopefully they they can get back to their winning ways at some point. I don't really want to talk about this game just because it's a spring training game. I want to talk about their newest outfielder, and I want to talk about there being fans back in the stands. That's coming up in 20 minutes. Your thoughts, welcome. Send me a text on the talk and text line, 608-796-2558. You can tweet me as well, at Wisco Grant, if you would like, and if you're on uh, Twitter. Let's start with the news of the day. I woke up this morning and was a little bit taken aback. The Brewers had made another signing. Outfielder, Jackie Bradley Jr., JBJ. We might have to think of a nickname. I'm sure somebody clever with the Brewers will come up with it, and then we can just we can adopt whatever nickname the Brewers announce. First thing I know about Jackie Bradley Jr., without doing an ounce of research, he's a morning person because this deal was announced at 1.41 a.m., which, if you're in Boston, would be, it'd be, it'd be 2.41 a.m., right? So almost 3 a.m., so, or is it two hours ahead? I don't think Indiana has its own time zone, so I think it's Central and then Eastern. So 2.41 a.m., if this news is broken in Boston, first broken by Julian McWilliams, which sounds like a, kind of sounds like a fake name, had the scoop first. And I, and I saw that this morning. I was like, okay, Jackie Bradley Jr., he's a go-getter. He likes to get up early and get after it and seize the day, which I respect, and that's good to know if the Brewers ever have to play a game at 11 a.m. It's just something good to keep in mind. Now, as far as things that matter... <laughs> Jackie Bradley's been with the Red Sox since 2011. It's a very simple, 
easy baseball reference page to scroll through for that reason. He's been the American League all eight years, member of Boston all eight years, and now he has joined the Brewers. Over the course of his career with Boston, his best season was probably 2016, where he hit 267, but he hit 26 home runs, 87 RBIs. It's pretty good. He was an all-star that year. But his best moment would probably be in the 2018 American League Championship Series against the Astros. He was the MVP of that series. He had a couple home runs, including a grand slam. So you might know him from from those seasons or from those moments. He's a streaky hitter. That's what I've really gathered as I've read about him and and gone through you know spreadsheets of his stats. He's a career 239 hitter, which isn't very good. So in this instance, I would like to adopt the mindset that batting average doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Not if he's hitting 239. With Colton Wong, it matters because Colton Wong hits 275. But in this instance, I am choosing to ignore the batting average, go with the analytics people. 98 career home runs, 376 RBIs, and an OPS of uh, just under 735. The numbers don't necessarily blow you away, but I don't think they need to blow you away. Like if he can produce some runs, hit for a little power and... Driving some runs here and there. Like, I don't think they need to hit for crazy average. I don't think he needs to steal a ton of bases. He just needs to do a couple things here and there. There's the background on Jackie Bradley Jr., the player. His history dating all the way back to, you know, 2013 when he broke into the majors. Let's talk about what this actually means for the Brewers. What does this mean for the Milwaukee Brewers, Craig Council, and everybody else in the year 2021? Right off the bat, something I wanted to talk about. I kind of want to give it up for the Brewers. I don't want to give David Stearns and Mark Atanasio a little bit of a shout-out because this isn't a cheap contract. They ponied up to get this guy. Two years, $24 million. Player option in year two, which the Brewers like to do. Let's see. Jackie Bradley Jr. comes to Milwaukee. He loves it, wants to opt in next year. Great. Excellent. That would be wonderful. They're going to pay him $13 million this year, so a little bit more than half, and then next year it won't be quite as uh, financially burdensome. It's a little bit front-loaded. This isn't a Ben Gamble-type contract. This is a legit outfielder on a legit contract. Big boy money. Two years, $24 million. This isn't a Ryan Healy, Ben Gamble, Eric Sogard, Sineman. We'll see. Maybe we catch lightning in a bottle, and if not, nobody cares because they're cheap. This is a legit player. Legit big boy contract. So I do want to give props to the Brewers because they ponied up. They went and got this guy. They didn't try to cut corners. They got a legit outfielder, and that's pretty dope. So I do want to, before we do anything else, just give props to the Brewers because I think sometimes I'll rip the Brewers for being cheap or I'll complain about Coach Bud. So anytime that these individuals or these organizations do something good, want to make sure you give them credit. Hey, Coach Bud did a good job here. Got to point that out. The Brewers actually spent money here. Got to point that out. However, because this contract is so big, I think some Brewers fans are a little, a little bit confused I don't know if confused is the right word. Perplexed? Those basically mean the same thing. I think some fans are wondering, why so much money for a fourth outfielder? Why not put that money towards a third baseman? Or why not put that money towards a starting pitcher? Right? Like, why are we why are we blowing $12 million on a fourth outfielder? And the Brewers outfield is really expensive. Don't get me wrong. Right? They are spending more on their four outfielders than four Major League Baseball teams are on their entire roster. Low Kane's getting 16 this year. Yelich is getting 14. Jackie Bradley, 13, like we just talked about. But remember Avi Garcia, 10.7 million this year. So if you look at the Brewers' payroll, those are their four highest-paid players. Their their outfield, Jackie Bradley Jr. included, is going to run up a bill of $53.75 million in 2021. 
which is more than the entire $47 million payroll of the Marlins, more than the entire $44 million payroll of the Orioles, 43 in Pittsburgh, and 40 in Cleveland. So the Brewers are actually spending, they're spending 13 more million dollars this year than Cleveland is on their entire team, on their entire payroll after trading Lindor and Carrasco and getting some of those guys out of town. Brewers ponied up and they're spending money. So I get why Brewers fans might be a little perplexed. It's like, well, we didn't really even need an outfielder. Why just, why just spend money on the outfield? I, I, I want to push back on, on that line of thinking a little bit. I think this is an excellent move. We always want the Brewers to spend They finally spent. I'm not going to nitpick. This isn't my money. It's not your money. Remember this always. Mark Atanasio is worth $700 million. I'm not going to lose an ounce of sleep concerned that $13 million is, oh, it's too much for Jackie Bradley Jr. You know what? I'm only on this earth so long, and the Brewers have never won a title. Spend all the money as far as I'm concerned. Spend $300 million on the payroll. I will sleep like a baby. Not concerned about... Atanasio's money. They could pay 10 guys like this. I don't care. And it's also important to remember that in baseball, this money isn't going against the cap. This isn't going to create outstanding financial issues two, three years down the road as it can in football. Spend all the money you want. Who cares? Right? If the Dodgers can do it, so can the Brewers in their own way. Because nobody can spend like the Dodgers. Right? I know everyone wanted a third baseman. But no one's really available. Justin Turner was the best option, and the Brewers tried their darndest. And you know what? Turner wanted to stay in L.A., so he did. But who? Jed Jerko? Like, like who's the next third baseman on the list? There's, It's not a long list. It's not a good list of available third basemen. Next year, maybe, but not this year. But the Brewers didn't want to wait. They had money to spend. They want to improve this team. They want to contend. So go get Jackie Bradley Jr. Okay, he's not a third baseman. He's another bat that we can use. I like that line of thinking. I love that approach by the Brewers, even if it's not perfect. Typically isn't with the Brewers. They, they find some way to, to think outside the box. And I also want to tell Brewers fans, don't think of Jackie Bradley Jr. as a fourth outfielder. Don't think of him that way. Because I think other than Christian Yelich, Kane, Garcia, and Bradley are probably going to play similar schedules. Probably going to have a similar amount of at-bats. Now, Yelich is probably going to play... Just about every day. He'll get a day off here and there, but play just about every day. You got to remember, Lorenzo Cain's 35. He's got a quad injury already. Garcia is a good outfielder, but I don't know if you want to put all your eggs in, in Garcia being an everyday outfielder who's great the entire year. So they invested. They got another outfielder to fill in the cracks here and there, and, and defensively, great as well. Something important to remember with Lorenzo Cain, he's 35 years old. He's got a quad injury already. The Brewers want to make sure they can keep him healthy because they're paying him $16 million this year. So what the Brewers did is they invested in Jackie Bradley Jr. to protect their investment in Lorenzo Cain. Because if they didn't have another option in the outfield, Brewers might be pressured a little bit to play Lorenzo Cain a little bit too much, work him too hard. And now Lorenzo Cain's injured, and that $16 million, it's not really going to good use. So they made an investment to protect another investment. Does that make sense? It's like with your car. You get your oil changed so the carburetor so the carburetor stays good. I don't know. I'm not a car person, but that's how cars work, right? You do occasional regular maintenance to make sure bigger problems don't manifest. Or with the home, right? Like, hey, I want to upgrade the windows so the furnace doesn't have to work so hard. I want to fix the seal around the door so our electric bill isn't so high. Well, in this instance, Lorenzo Cain is the electric bill. And if you work your heater too hard, it might break. And now you have a really expensive heater that doesn't work. 
So the Brewers, they bought a, a new set of windows. That's Jackie Bradley Jr. We're going to insulate the house better so the heater doesn't have to work so darn hard. Yeah, it costs a little bit extra, but not nearly as much as a, a replacement for the heater would be. You get my point. I'm not a handyman. I'm not a mechanic, but I, it's as good of an analogy as I can provide. I do have one question, and I do have one complaint about the Jackie Bradley Jr. signing. And don't get me wrong. I love this sign. I, Ten out of times, I'm glad the Brewers did it. But I do have one question just because I'm a real son of a gun. This builds off something we talked about yesterday. Why is it that depth in the outfield is suddenly a priority? We woke up this morning saying, we need to spend $13 million on another outfielder. We need another outfielder. Three ain't enough. Three is not, three is not good enough. Now, maybe it's because Lorenzo Cain hit 35 and David Stearns finally got to the point where it's like, okay, we're here. Like, we kind of got to put Lorenzo Cain in a home. Like, we need a, we need a handcuff. We need another outfielder. And maybe that threshold was just met this year. If that's the case, great. Or maybe it was only the, the availability of Jackie Bradley Jr. Because he was there, the brewery was too good to pass up. Had to take him. Okay, I get that too. But... This has been my concern with the Brewers under David Stearns, and this is something that I've noticed the last couple of years, and I really haven't talked about it until now because I I really haven't been able to wrap my mind around this idea. I think over the last few years, the Brewers have been cheap in the long term or cheap in the short term, and it's hurt them in the long term. Like, oh, we'll trade Trent Grisham. We don't need him. And then two years later, oh, what do we need? We need an outfielder. So now we got to pay a bunch for one, right? Oh, we're going to trade for Mike Moustakis. And then we're going to let him go. So now now without all this draft capital, and now we need to pay extra to get another third baseman. Do you get my point? Being cheap in the short term can cost big in the long term, if that makes any sense whatsoever. Let's go to the phones. Darren, our friend, Private Binksy. And I just knew if I talked to enough brewers, I could get you to call, Darren. What's going on? Hey, I just got uh, started commuting home uh from work uh, i don't have the dog in the back of the car so he's not gonna interrupt <laughs> us okay that's good to know <laughs> okay um you know that's signing this morning um he's 31 you know i i'm not i'm thinking it's not a very good it, it's it's not a good move you don't I, like I'm it i'm not you your your analogy saying that it's like we've got quadruple energy windows <laughs> because we've got a 35-year-old furnace in, sure. in center field. I don't. I just don't see the logic. He's he's got a, a lifetime batting average of uh, 239. I read. Is that right? Yeah, batting average doesn't uh, matter though, Darren. We bat. Come on, you're still talking about batting average in the year 2021. <laughs> I'm I'm, talking about batting average, and I still talk about on base percentage. I talk about strikeouts and getting on base. We talked about this last year, Grant. Mm -hmm. You know, we got that huge shift going on where everybody's beyond second base and you're a left-handed hitter. Why can't you bunt one down the third base line and get a double out of it practically? But, um, you know, that remains to be seen. We understand that's that's baseball these days because they're paid to hit home runs. But uh, I, I hopefully we'll see some manufacturing runs. I'm getting a little better sense of Colton Wong being on the team. I'm really anxious to actually get a chance to maybe see a game this year mm-hmm. if things go the way they are. Um, you know, as a representative in the healthcare community here, mask up, wash your hands, guys. Uh, that's all I can say. So, yeah. But anyway, um, hey, uh, it's another piece in the Brewers puzzle. I'm just, I, 
I'm not excited about Travis Shaw, dude. I had to put that in your show right away. I am just like, why can't, you know, we go out and get another fourth outfielder at some big bucks. We couldn't spend another dime in the infield. That doesn't make sense to me. So um, can I ask you a question before I go, though? Yeah, absolutely. What's going on? Okay. What are your thoughts on Daniel Vogelbach? Is this guy, does he have a chance to make a career? In Milwaukee, he actually had some good defensive plays, uh, you know, in a, such a limited time he had last year. And we know that guy can, can hit a ton. Um, and he, you know, he actually had some good at-bats last year. He actually had some – I thought he had some uh, – he was more than just, you know, the C-minus – that they had there all last year. I, I think that if you play him consistently, I think he's going to be a good player, but that I know that Keston Hira equation is, is there. But what do you think about him as a utility uh, first baseman, a designated hitter? Hopefully that we go that way sometime. Yeah, what do you l- think? yeah, we could talk about that, Darren. And I appreciate your call, and I hope you're enjoying this beautiful day and, and having Brewers baseball back on the radio. I, I like him enough. Like, I, I don't know. For what he is, I like him. If he was a backup first baseman, sure, I'm a fan. I don't really know what the role they have for him is. And, Darren, to your point, like, you got to play him consistently. Well, I don't know how they can play him consistently. Because Keston here needs to be on the field. But he can't be at second because that's where Wong is. You're not going to put him anywhere else because he's terrible defensively. So he's at first. So unless Keston here gets a day off, you're not you, – you have nowhere to put him. And like I, I said, I like Vogelback to an extent. Like for a fun, big guy who is kind of an energetic presence in the lineup and he's a little bit of a folk hero. He's kind of like a fullback in baseball. Like, yeah, I like him enough. I think he could be an interesting piece. I'd rather have Eric Thames. I'd rather have Jesus Aguilar back. But I think they could do a lot worse. I just don't know what his role is unless there's a DH. If there's a DH, he's the guy. But there's not going to be a DH because Rob Manford hates fun which is something we can talk about coming up next. I want to talk about what Darren said, the opportunity to get to a Brewer game, because the Brewers released some details about this today. I want to share those details with you, and I have prepared a statement, like a politician, on uh, the ability to tailgate or not tailgate. The Brewers said no tailgating, and I know this can get political. I know this can get messy, controversial. So I prepared a statement that I'm sure will appease everyone on both sides of whatever aisle is involved in a pandemic, and I will share that statement with you coming up next here on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show rolling on. My name is Grant Bills. Appreciate you hanging out. The talk and text line, 608-796-2558. couple of Brewers opinions flying in. Brett says, hey, Grant, let's think about this Grisham uh, trade, which you brought up. His error ended our postseason two years ago. Two gold glovers and Yelich won't do that crap. I, and this is where we might have differing opinions, Brett. I don't look back at that game and think, damn, Trent Grisham, if only he'd collected a base hit, the Brewers would have won. I I think at that moment when Juan Soto got that hit, I don't think the Brewers were winning that game. It's not like Brandon Bostic, where a four-string tight end did something so boneheaded that kept out one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time from playing in his second Super Bowl. That's 
I think they're different. Like, yeah, you want a gold glove outfielder. Don't get me wrong. But the difference between Trent Grisham and Jackie Bradley Jr., I don't I don't think it's that huge. And I don't think Trent Grisham completely spoiled his brewerness by making one error. I don't feel that way about that play. Maybe others do. I don't. But we could feel differently. Appreciate the text, Brett. Twitter's open as well, at Wisco Grant. Hunter tweets in and says, signs, it's spring in lacrosse. The squirrels become very active. Brewers surprisingly sign a free agent out of nowhere. Brewers fans bitch and moan about it. We have Craig Council. Relax. Yeah. Now you're preaching to the choir. Craig Council will make it work. Zero doubt. Zero doubt in that. Appreciate the tweet. At Wisco Grant. Uh, We have some good news regarding the pandy, uh, both sports-related and, you know, actual pandemic-related. Of course, numbers are dropping. People are getting vaccinated. That's awesome. And it feels great. These vaccines, they're working. Nobody's getting hospitalized. Nobody's dying. Maybe you might get a little sick. You might feel a little under the weather, but these vaccines are working. We got to remain, you know, smart, but I th- I think it's okay to feel optimistic right now. I feel optimistic for the first time in a while. Uh, it was funny. Last night, I was home alone. I was watching NBA games, and I kind of went down a rabbit hole because we're coming up on, on March 11th, which was the day last year in which the NBA shut down. Rudy Gobert got sick and Tom Hanks got it and that it was terrifying. I remember watching SportsCenter that night thinking, we are so screwed. And we weren't really screwed, but it was a sign of things to come. I mean, we've lost so many people to this pandemic. It's just been low and slow now for an entire year. And I remember that night feeling so freaked out. And last night I was thinking back and I was looking at some old articles and some old shows that I did during the shutdown last year. And I found a podcast that I listened to in late June. So this is when sports were shut down. We had nothing to talk about. And it was a a podcast from The Ringer. It was Bill Simmons and Ryan Rossillo. And they redrafted like the 2007 NBA draft. They took two hours to do it. Two hours to redo an NBA draft. And I'm like, my God, I don't know how we ever made it through without sports to talk about last summer. On this show, too, we were rewatching throwback Packer games and we were doing trivia and we were doing anything we could to fill the time. Now, we've come a long way. Brewers announced today that they're going to have fans 25% capacity in the stands this year. Here's a little bit from the statement. Opening day is set for Thursday, April 1st against the Twins. The last home game with fans in attendance was September 22nd, 2019 in a 4-3 Brewers win over the Pittsburgh Pirates in the middle of a run of 11 wins in 12 games. Shout out Craig Council, the uh, magician of September. Uh, quote from Rick Schlesinger, the president of business operations. That's in there. You can find this on the Brewers social media if you want to. The bugaboo in this statement is at the very end. And it's tucked in at the bottom of the statement and says, hey, more information on fan accommodations and safety rules can be found at brewers.com backslash COVID. Of note, tailgating at American Family Field was not approved to begin the season. Oh, boy. So people are mad. Uh, I don't want to tell you how to feel about this. I don't want to tell you what your worldview should be about COVID. Sports and COVID is it's been, a, it's been a dangerous mix because if somebody who talks about sports for a living is real concerned the games are going to be canceled. Well, then sports people have been accused of cheering for the pandemic. Why are you rooting against the NFL? I'm not rooting I'm rooting against anything. I'm just worried. I don't want people to get sick, right? I don't want a league to start and then shut down again. That would be a nightmare. 
but that has not always landed well. And I don't want to get political today. I remember a time where Bill Michaels last summer, he went on this rant, and I've saved this audio ever since, talking about how the media and the pandy and blah, 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 blah. This, I, this cracks me up. Has it reached the two million mark the way it was originally, you know, kind of perpetuated to us that we were just, it was kind of like, oh my God, it was, it was the Zika virus and the H1N1 virus and Sharknado and everything else that we've dealt with every summer, something happens and that's what the media gloms on to. I remember the media would not let Sharknado go. I, it was terrifying. Remember you could, you would switch channels and all it would be, it would be the fake news media just pumping fear porn into our screen about Sharknado. And I thought maybe last summer, you know, maybe COVID is just another instance of that. And it turned out, as the expert said, to be a, a rather devastating pandemic. Not like Sharknado. I don't really know what Bill was on that day. He was talking about the Bucks today. I think he thought the Bucks played last night. They did not. It was two nights ago. But I, t- I tweeted about this today. Bill, we need to get Bill a producer. <laughs> the Zika virus, H1N1, and Sharknado. Yeah, just media things. Anyway, speaking about the media, I wanted to be careful with the way that I approached uh, my reaction to no tailgating. Um, And I I don't think it's a big deal. I think it's something we have to be patient through. But to be extra careful to make sure I didn't say anything controversial and I didn't liken anything to Sharknado, I prepared a statement and I printed it off. It's very professional, like I'm taking the floor of the Senate. So on the topic of no tailgating, here is my prepared statement and we will go to break on this. Friends, followers, and members of the Wisco Sports Show community. I wish to address my deepest excitement regarding news of fans being back at American Family Field. Baseball in Milwaukee has been a social cornerstone of our state for decades, and I myself look forward to watching baseball in person again soon. However, on today's show, I don't wish to get into the politics of this pandemic or the politics of tailgating, because this isn't a show about the left or about the right, but about center. And of course, I mean center field, the position in the center of the outfield in which David Stearns and the Brewers have invested over $53 million in the year 2021 alone. I don't wish to get into the politics of the pandemic and tailgating because this isn't a show where we argue about the wearing of masks or face coverings, unless, of course, you mean a catcher's mask, at which point I am very excited for a bounce back season from catcher Omar Narvaez. I don't wish to get into the politics of pandemic, the tailgating, because this isn't a show about cancel culture. And we certainly don't cancel games in Milwaukee, not even if there's rain or a thunderstorm or as the big unit Bill Michaels once said, not even if there's a Sharknado, because American Family Field has a retractable roof. I don't wish to get into the politics of tailgating and the pandemic, because this isn't a show that dwells on the fake news coverage of the pandemic. We get our news straight from the source on the Wisco Sports Show. From Adam McAlvey of Brewers.com and MLB.com. From Will Salmon of The Athletic. And from Reviewing the Brews, David Gasper, whose interview from yesterday's show is available wherever you find your podcasts. The 2021 season will be one of community, normalcy, and unity. Unity around our team, our manager, Craig Council, our newly named stadium, and our collective hatred of Bob Manfred. God bless the Milwaukee Brewers. God bless Craig Council. And God bless America. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
Wisco Sports Show rolling on. My name is Grant Bills on Twitter at Wisco Grant. The talk and text line 608-796-2558. Brewers lost today, but you know what? It's just it's just fun to have baseball back on. I'll take it. Now, if they win, I'm going to be a pompous, annoying jerk. But if they lose, eh, it's spring training. Does it really matter? It's just it's just nice to have baseball back on. It's just nice to have something to watch. <laughs> Brewers lost today. What was it? Five two, five one. Where? Yeah, five one. I almost couldn't find the tab for a sec. Bucks are back on tonight. They are at the Memphis Grizzlies. So they're in Tennessee. The game's at seven. And I got a tweet earlier on in the show while we were talking Brewers from Big Joe, a great friend of the show, Big Joe in Madison. He says, Grant, how about them Bucks? Think they're going to win tonight? Joe, I appreciate you tweeting. I have no idea. I have zero clue on whether or not the Bucks will win tonight. They better. It would make me feel very good if they did. If they came out, looked confident, looked strong, it'd make me feel really good after they kind of mailed it in against the Nuggets um, two nights ago. The game was two nights ago, not last night, despite what um, some radio hosts in this state of Wisconsin were pushing today. Yeah, two nights ago against the Nuggets. So they got a night off. It made me feel a lot better if they came out and they showed, look, we're fine. We, we, we got it. We took the night. We mailed it in on Tuesday night. It's fine. We mailed it in. We're back. We can beat up on the Memphis Grizzlies, which hopefully is the case. Uh, and the spread should reflect such a line of thinking. What's the number? Six and a half. It's kind of a fat number. Grizzlies are one game above 500. It might be kind of fun. If you're more of a casual NBA fan, it might be kind of fun to watch John Morant tonight. At least he should be playing. I haven't seen that he's out or anything. Yeah, he's not in the injury report. Oh, Grayson Allen's day-to-day. That's great. I hope that slime ball doesn't play. Ooh, did I say that out loud? So the Bucks tonight, 7 p.m. Now, no Bucks game last night, but there were some awesome games. And there's something I want to talk about that happened last night. couple good games. Pacers-Cavs was awesome. I don't know if you saw, but T.J. McConnell, who just, just looking at him just makes me mad. He was with the Sixers for a while. He just annoyed me. But T.J. McConnell, I think he's kind of found a home with the Pacers. He had 16, 4, 13, and 10. Yes, you heard me correctly. That's 16 points, 4 rebounds, 13 assists, and 10 steals. Woo! So that was fun to watch. Uh, my Kings beat the Lakers last night, which was great. LeBron and Anthony Davis didn't play, but we're not talking about that. The two best games were the Blazers beating the Warriors. That was the late game. And the Sixers beating the Jazz. That game went to overtime. It came down to the wire. It was, it was very entertaining. I wanted to talk about the Sixers-Jazz game, not because we're big Sixers fans or because we're big Jazz fans, but because I want to relate it to the Bucks. And there's a lot to unpack here, but first, a little background. Let me lay the groundwork on some of this stuff. On the Sixers and on the Jazz, both near the top or at the top of their respective conferences, East and West. On the Sixers, Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons are actually trying this year, which is really fun. Because previously, it was like they were too cool to try. It's like, shoot a jump shot. I don't got time for that. Stay in shape, stay healthy. I don't, I don't got time for that. And this year, they've seemingly switched their attitude. Ben Simmons is playing defense like a beast. He's doing the little things, which the Sixers have, have reaped the benefits from. And Embiid, at the moment, has a really good case for MVP. Not that that matters a whole lot on March 4th, but it's an interesting tidbit. I don't know if you would win MVP right now. I would personally love either Jokic or Embiid to win it. Giannis is playing really well, but probably won't win it. LeBron... The LeBron for MVP case should kind of be tapering off over the last couple of days after the last week, but it's LeBron, so who knows? The Sixers have kind of been lumped in with the Nets. It's like, well, the Eastern Conference, you got the Sixers and the Nets, and they're amazing. I don't, I don't like that. 
I don't like that we have attributed the top of the Eastern Conference to both the Sixers and the Nets. I think the Nets are a cut above everybody. But Philly has been winning, and I... Look, here, here's the difference for Philly. When Seth Curry is balling and he scores 20, they are an insanely good team. But when he's not, mm, they're fine. They, they're fine. They're the Bucks, or they're the... I don't know, maybe they're just the Bucks. The East isn't very good this year. The Celtics are down. Raptors have been down. But you get my point. If Seth Curry is playing like Steph Curry, sure, the Sixers are really good. If not, they're a much more average team in the East. And average, I mean, just good to pretty good. Same with the Bucks. The Jazz, on the other hand, they are the new Bucks. We've talked about this a little bit. Their point differential is incredible. They're blowing teams out. These aren't games in the fourth quarter. They're surrounding one specialist, an interior player, Rudy Gobert, with a bunch of specialists, a bunch of shooters, which is what the Bucs did around Giannis. And the Bucs showed us the last few years that this doesn't work. And I think it'll work even less for the Jazz because Rudy Gobert isn't the player that Giannis is. And Giannis, two-time MVP, as great as he's been, the Bucs have shown us the last two years that you just can't shoot your way and be dominant all the way through the regular season and expect to roll up in the postseason and have it work. I'm not a Jazz hater. I'm just not going to waste my time playing along because you know how this goes. Jazz get off to a great start. At the moment, the Jazz are 27-9. and nine, But in their last 10 games, they've slowed down. They're barely over 500 in their last 10 games. They're 6-4. and four. So they're 27-9 and nine at the top of the, the West. And everyone's like, oh, the Jazz. It's the Jazz's year. Look at They figured it out. They have, they're cheating basketball. They're so efficient, and their shooters are great. And, oh, it's, such, it's so beautiful. Oh, the Jazz are so good, blah, 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 blah. And then we get to the playoffs, and we're like, wow, I guess it wasn't meant to be. I guess, I guess it wasn't sustainable, this, that, the other thing. I'm not going to play along. We all know how this is going to end. There's no way the Jazz come out of the West. I don't care how good their record is. I don't care if they win 65 games. They're not coming out of the West. And we can just admit it now. I guess we could play along for a few months and then act surprised when they lose. But that's, that's not what's happening. They're the new Bucks. And last night, the Jazz and the Sixers are going down to the wire. They're trading tough possessions. They're landing big blows. And the way I saw it, as the Sixers won in overtime, Embiid was great in the fourth quarter, 14 points on 5 of 8 shooting, really efficient as they kind of came back to tie it and then force overtime and win. I saw it. Joel Embiid was great, and Donovan Mitchell wasn't as good. He had 7 points in the fourth quarter on 3 of 8 shooting. That's what I saw. Now, Donovan Mitchell saw something else because he was mad. He was big mad, mad enough to get ejected. He got into it with the refs, and he got two technicals in the matter of just a couple minutes and was thrown out. Now, maybe he's got a point. I looked at the free throw count. The Sixers took three in the fourth quarter. The Jazz took two. In overtime, the Sixers took five. The Jazz took two. I think the Jazz were upset with some no calls and they did seem to get slapped with some loose ball fouls and they didn't seem to have that reciprocated the other way Matisse Tybel was playing really tough defense they didn't get a whistle okay fine but they're undersized they're gonna get bullied every now and then Philly's a team that will bully you and after the game Donovan Mitchell just went on a rant and here's where the Bucks tie into it because he's saying look we these small market teams they don't get the whistle that these other teams do here is Donovan Mitchell last First night all, I've got it you know give 76ers credit they played a hard hard game you know Joel does what he does, and, you know, at the end of the day, they're, they're a good team. We competed, um, but it's, 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 it's tough, KK. Like, it's tough to, to go out there and see how we fight and compete and to have a game like that taken from us. And I'm never, ever one to, 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 to blame a ref, to blame an official. I could say I, we could have done more, but this, this is getting out of hand. You know, there have been games like this that we've won. There have been games like this that we've, we've, we've lost. But this whole refereeing stuff and the way we're, we're nice, we don't complain, we don't – 
Like, we don't get frustrated. You know, we fight through things. And the fact that we just continually get get screwed in a way by this. You know, like, we, we won this game, in my personal opinion. You know, but like I said, I'm going to give them credit. They won, whatever, cool. But, like, this is it's, it's a consistent thing. And, you know, the question is, can we can we do it? Can we sustain it? Are we real number one? Like, yeah, the hell we are. And it's getting... It, it's getting ridiculous, KK. That this is this is what's happening. You know I mean, we have a whole second half of the season to go and get ready for. But like, I'm, I'm sick of it. To be honest with you, we all are. You know, and I think this is something that just it bite, it, it eats me. It eats at me, man. And it's I, I don't. Y'all know what it is. We all know what it is. But it's it's really getting out of hand. It's really, really, really getting out of hand. And the league needs to do something about this because I want to see the last two minute report. I want to. Okay, so there's Donovan Mitchell talking about, hey, we don't complain about calls. We're always polite, but we never get the whistle. The small market team never gets the whistle, blah, 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 blah. Okay, anytime a fan or a coach or a media member or a player says, the league has to do something about this, I no longer take it seriously. Because that's the number one phrase you hear when people overreact. Like after the Celtics game, the uh, Celtics-Pelicans game on Sunday afternoon, two weeks ago, Celtics fans were so ticked. All these reviews and all these whistles, the league has to do something about the. We've already forgotten about it. Adam Silver, get control of your league. Shut up. Your team lost. That doesn't mean everything's rigged against you. That means you didn't get a good whistle last night. And Donovan Mitchell's performance wasn't any good either. Donovan Mitchell went 12 of 34 from the floor last night, got ejected, and then you want to go to your post-game press conference and, and cry foul? Nah. Nah, nah, nah. And Donovan Mitchell might be right. I do think the Jazz got the short end of the whistle last night. But they're also undersized. And they play the floor spread out. So they're not going to get rebounds. And they're going to get bullied by teams that are bigger. Philly has a 6'10 point guard. Their smallest starter is who? Tobias Harris, who's 6'8", 6'9". They're a big team and they're going to bully you. And that impacts the way that they're officiated. Not everything's going to get called. Sorry. If you want it, if you don't like it, be more physical. And don't have a soft Frenchman who gives everybody COVID for your center. Sorry, there. I said it. Now, Donovan Mitchell might not be wrong. Like, he had a bad night with the officials. Okay. But to say that all small market teams or all teams that are polite don't get the whistle, look, over the course of a season, these things balance out. And timing is important here because if you lose and you go 12 or 34 from the floor, you get ejected and you go to your postgame presser and you do that, I'm not going to take you seriously. Now, if you want to be composed and calm the next day and say, hey, you know, look at this game, man. What a... What a tough night. Okay, that's something else. But timing is important. And to illustrate the importance of timing, I'm going to share a personal story. It's a story that I'm not proud of. It's a story in which an experience I had that I know I was right. I know I was right. But the way I went about it, it wasn't wasn't the way to go about it. So here's what happened, okay? Fantasy football this last year. And oh, Grant, don't talk about it. I'm not really going to talk about my fantasy team. It's about a relationship with some people I know. So I draft an amazing fantasy team. Hill. Kelsey, Kamara, I have Watson and Allen, Tyler Boyd. I mean, I just, I went all in. I'm good at this stuff. What can I say? I drafted a great team, and I lost like once in the regular season. I was killing it. I was going to skate my way to a championship, okay? I don't say that to brag. I say that because it's important to the story. I am winning. I'm just addicted to winning in this league. I cannot lose because my team's that good. And I earned that, right? So we get into the postseason, and I start looking at the schedule, and I see that the championship game of our fantasy league is played in week 17 and week 17 alone, which means the championship game decides our league takes place in week 17, which isn't really a, it's the word I'm looking for. The integrity in week 17 isn't there because half of the league rests. 
sit your starters, you play your young guys. Everything gets mixed up when you go to week 17. Now, if you're doing two-week playoffs, that's different because then you can factor in week 16 and 17, and it's a little bit more viable. But this is one-game playoffs we're doing, and the championship game is week 17. And I'm doing the math because I have Tyreek Hill, and I have Travis Kelsey, and the Chiefs have the one seed, and I have DK Metcalf, and I know the Seahawks have locked up their seed. My whole team is going to rest, and I start to get ticked. And in our group chat, I call it the commissioner. I'm like, what the hell is this? We have a, a one-week championship game, and it's in week 17? You idiot. That's, that's a bad job by our commissioner. And you know what? I won't apologize. I was right. I won't apologize for it. But, but, the timing, not great. Like, it's very clear to everyone that I'm going to lose through zero fault of my own because of the way that the playoff format is structured. Grant, maybe you should have said something about that earlier. Grant, maybe you should have brought that up before the, the championship game. Grant, maybe you should have... Address that earlier. You know what? I should have. You're right. That doesn't make my. That doesn't mean I'm wrong. It doesn't mean Donovan Mitchell is wrong. But if you're going to complain about the officiating in a press conference, maybe don't do it after the game in which you shoot under 50 percent from the floor. You get ejected, and then you want to go cry foul. Mm, you got beat. Sure, the whistle wasn't yours, but sometimes that happens. Move on. Wah, wah. That's how Donovan Mitchell sounded last night, and that's how I sounded in my fantasy football group chat. I got second place because half my team rested. And that being said, I was still close in the championship game because that's how good I was. And yes, it still keeps me up at night. Let's take a break. Wrap up the Wisco Sports Show with a little Brewers talk, a little Bucks talk coming up next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show rolling on. Uh, my name is Grant Bills. I'm in a little bit of trouble. It turns out that uh, some of the members of said fantasy football league that I was referencing in that last segment, oh, they were listening. So I stand by what I said. You you will not cancel me over those comments. But you won't. You will not succeed. I was right. Yeah, I had a little fantasy football spat. I was sharing the story. And if you missed it, hey, podcast will be available after 6 o'clock wherever you uh, find your podcast. Just look for the Wisco Sports Show. A couple of texts on the talking text line, 608-796-2558. Steve, our friend Steve says, hey, Grant, can you wish my wife Yvonne a happy birthday? Happy birthday, Yvonne. I hope you're having a splendid day. And I appreciate you and Steve listening to the show as always. It's a couple's activity for Steve and Yvonne. And if you have a significant other, continue uh, continue to listen and maybe bring them into the fold. Maybe make it a point of romance, a point of intimacy to listen to this show. I've been told in the past that I am an aphrodisiac, not for women, but for other couples. Nobody is sexually attracted to me. I just think it works for other people. Mark says, I'm okay with the Brewers throwing down extra caution with the pandemic and not having tailgating happening. Mark, I would love to tailgate. I enjoy tailgating. It's great to be out in the sun and to have a couple of beers and just get ready for the game. It's part of the experience at at what used to be Miller Park and is now American Family Field. But the way that this last year has worked is we got to give up some things to have other things. Or at least that's how it should have worked, which is probably why this pandemic is is still going on. We don't want to give up anything, right? And I, I, I get it. But if I can go to Brewer Games and I can go safely and I'm allowed to go into American Family Field and watch a game, okay, if that means I can't tailgate, fine. You know, keep your fingers crossed that we continue to progress in the right direction and we will be able to tailgate at some point. And look, the huge parking lots. We'll find a way to make it work. It just doesn't seem like it's going to be an option right away. 
Craig Council talking about the presence of having fans back and said that I think we learned a little something in the last year about exactly how important fans are to players. I don't think we take it for granted. I, I really don't. It, it, it's, um, you know, I mean, I, I think maybe we were all taught a little bit of a lesson um, last year. We, we were. We were all taught a lesson last year. Absolutely. Um and if anything, it should make us enjoy the experience all that all that much more. That, that's how I've thought about it, um, is that uh, understand how special it is. I think the, maybe the thing that I've realized is like, it's really like those, the ball, the ball game or the whatever, every game, it's community. That's what it is. It, it's community. And that's, um, we, we, that's what's special about it. Uh, so we missed it. Um, you know, we're getting a piece of it back. It's, it's, we're not getting the whole thing back, but we're getting a piece of it back. And, and so we're on our way to, uh, to get that community back. That, that is, that is really special and creates, it just, it creates these magical moments. Um, that is one of the reasons why we love sports. There's no question about it. That's the reason I love Craig Council. I desperately want to get Craig Council on this show. I think everybody in the state of Wisconsin, Aaron Rodgers, Brian Gutekinst, Greg Gard, Paul Chris. I think of anybody I would most like to talk to Craig Council because I think I would actually have things that I want to know. Like, I'd have Aaron Rodgers on the show for the clout. Don't get me wrong. Say, yeah, I talked to Aaron Rodgers. I was sick as that. It'd be great. I don't know how interesting of an interview it would be. I'd do my best. I genuinely think I could get some fascinating stuff out of Craig Council because especially the last two years, I've loved his approach to managing. I remember last year in spring training 2.0, he's like, I... I, I can't even think about opening day right now. I'm not even worried about the first game against, you know, whoever it was. I, I'm worried about keeping this guys healthy, keeping them engaged, keeping them ready to go. Like, I, I will worry about the other stuff later. I would love to get perspective on everything from Craig Council, and hopefully before too long, hopefully, we can get him on the show. We'll ask our good friend Zach Heilprin to pull some strings and make it happen. Tomorrow, more Bucks, more Brewers, and anything else going on. Same time, same place here on the Wisco Sports Show. Talk to you then. 